0: the intro again. Show.
1: You already did Are we recording? We've been recording for
0: a while. Okay. Yeah. Really? So then we have to
2: start. Mm -hmm. Are we ready? We have to be quiet. Welcome to Combustible, the podcast, the Wife session, part two.
3: And We're going to try something a little different this time. Uh, It's probably not going to be well advised. Uh, They've eaten, they've been drinking, and they're a little silly. So (laughs) we're going to try asking them some questions again and see how this works out. We are never Um, silly. So at the end of our last podcast, we kind of were talking with the ladies about optimism versus pessimism, and uh, it kind of continued a little bit after we stopped recording, so we're going to go ahead and start off again about this a little bit.
2: Do you Uh, remember that? Totally remember it. I I haven't been
3: drinking, I remember it. (laughs) I really haven't. Okay then, Robin, you go ahead and start. Future.
2: (laughs) Also, we have Hatch here with us instead of Bill. Because he is our adult supervision. He is.
3: Yeah, it's a, a terrible idea there too.
2: We'd also like to take a short moment to introduce our friend who is joining us. Correct,
3: Jen White. Hi, Jen. The wife Hi, of Scott White.
4: <laughs> Thank you for having me. No Thanks problem. for joining us.
5: You guys are like an NPR f- right now. <laughs> 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 hey, Oh my gosh! Everybody smile at the bell. Hi. Hi He's
2: taking bell. our picture. Check us out on Instagram. <laughs>
3: So we were asking the questions, uh, and we had had an earlier podcast where we, we were talking about whether we thought ourselves were optimistic or pessimistic. And then we asked our wives, are we more optimistic or pessimistic? To mm-hmm. if see how it uh, compared up. And uh, so, Jen, is Scott more optimistic or pessimistic in his outlook?
4: I believe Scott is more optimistic in his look. He tends to... Um always think things are going to work out. Um, I think personally in his life, things have worked out. And when he's had some tragedy, he's accepted them well and moved on that it's a part of life. So I think he's definitely an
0: optimist. So with other firefighters, do you feel like that that's generally the case? Or do you feel like that, that, that Scott is special? Well, special, (laughs) different, or part of, you know, this. I think
4: now that he's in his um, position at his age at headquarters after, you know, his tenure there, his long tenure there, um, I think what you guys alluded to today about um, being a good leader, that it's needed to be an optimist, I think it holds true with him. Mm -hmm. He's someone who... um, looks at leadership as important, and tries to guide people in a positive way. And when they're going down the wrong path, tries to get them to kind of see the light and see the better way. And he tries to teach them to try to have a, be a positive influence. And I think he runs into a lot of pessimists that are in um, younger, they're younger, they're not as experienced and Maybe by nature, they're more pessimistic people. I don't know them personally, but uh, I think that frustrates him sometimes.
0: But are pessimists just like trying to poke holes through theories? I mean, any argument has to have a counter, right? So are they just challenging what the idea is so that you have a dialogue?
3: Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with challenging. I think even an optimistic person can challenge something. It's just the whole thing of it's never going to get better is what I would mm-hmm. say pessimist is. And typically, pessimist is seen as a negative person. So have you ever met anybody that just came and said, yeah, absolutely, I'm the negative guy in the room or I'm the negative person in the room? Typically, even the most pessimistic person will classify themselves as optimistic. That's why it's interesting to see y'all's perspective of us.
5: What was it that you said that it really shouldn't be? Do you remember what it was you said? I was not sitting really, here trying to remember. Yeah, um, it wasn't really optimism. If we only had it not, on tape. No, no, I was <laughs> saying
1: something like... Um, they all have to be a little bit pessimistic to get to ultimate optimism. Like, yes, you yes. have to That's be that way mm-hmm. to know that you've got to turn it around. Yeah, I didn't and say it exactly like that. But no, but
5: it's kind of, cause kind of what you're getting at is because I was like, it frustrates me that Shane doesn't, I feel like sometimes his self confidence isn't where it should be. Yeah. But then I wasn't saying that like he should be cocky and sit back on his laurels and just, you know, but that he's kind of is really hard on himself. But that kind of, I think, and Hatch said, or you said, or somebody said, that it makes him, it's an impetus to make him improve. part of his process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. part of his process, and that's how he works through things. And I was like, okay, that's, yes, that's, you said it better than how I said it. I sound like I was just throwing him under the bus, and I wasn't. But he's very hard on himself. So that makes him work harder to be better. Mm -hmm. And he's actually got a tattoo on his arm that says, be better every day. So. So would you say that the
3: pessimism lets them see the problems a little bit better? and that allows them to have what the optimism needs to be about?
5: I think that can hmm. be dangerous because sometimes if you're pessimistic, then all you see are the problems and all you see are the negatives. So I think that, I don't think that pessimism or optimism, I don't think it really lets you see things, like see the problem more, I don't think. I'm going to be really troche here. <laughs> I
2: well,
5: think are you going to look something up? I was thinking <laughs>
2: defining these terms is because I feel like... Because someone has a negative outlook on a certain topic does not necessarily make them a pessimist. Thank
5: you. So ahead. I
2: think it's hard to say, oh, they're being pessimistic. No, not necessarily. Um, I think that sometimes it's just being real. It's just a realistic approach to what's happening. I think pessimistic is more doom, like it's just not going to happen. No matter what we do, we're not going to fix this. Or this is just a horrible thing. Or and they're like that about most Woe is me things. about everything. Right. Where you can be an optimistic person and you can have negative outlook on something because the reality of that situation is it sucks. And it's a negative thing. Doesn't make you a pessimist, in my opinion. Agree.
4: I agree, too. Because I think um, for some people a pessimism maybe about a certain subject could be their life experience about that subject. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you might have an optimistic person that's not had that experience and thinks, oh, everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. But that person who you might view as pessimistic is just someone who is facing realism because mm-hmm. it's what they've always mm-hmm. experienced or faced before.
5: And like you said, because they're, they, they're thinking it's going to work out, because for them it's always worked out. Right. So for them, mm-hmm. their life story, their life experience is oh, this always works out fine. Mm-hmm. And that's why those people who have
1: had tough experiences um, get pissed off at those optimistic people because they never had that yeah, experience. Yeah, they don't understand. So it. they only look at,
2: oh, it's going to be fine, it's going to be so. And like I was saying before, I think this ties into their careers dependent on how that day went. What happened at work today? They went to work today and God forbid they picked up a baby in an accident and they tried their best to move past that moment, but it comes out in what may be perceived as a pessimistic attitude towards life the rest of that day but it really it's just the reality of what's happened to them has put them into a negative state
3: okay so we're basically talking about uh, i think you're talking about their their outlooks on pessimism or, or optimism at work is it the same for them at home
2: Yeah, i think it's different really i do mm. i feel like it is depending on what has happened at home pavel's always optimistic always Uh, everything's gonna be fine we will figure this out we've got it I will take care of this don't worry like always and I think at work when he has the very stressful days the ones that are top in the notch (laughs) that's when I see what someone may perceive as pessimistic come out Um, and that's how I was saying before that's how I know he has had a stressful day when he comes home that way I'm like okay it's been tough he's had a rough day today and he's over it quick, and he's back to who he is,
0: um, but that's that's where I see it.
3: Paula, how is Bill, as far as his, when he comes home?
0: Whether he's optimistic or pessimistic. Right,
3: or, right, versus how he is at work and what he is in his role.
0: I, um, you know, I just don't see Bill pessimistic very often. He's He's generally, I mean, he gets frustrated at the way things are, mm-hmm. or, you know, that there's a situation that he can't change, but... I don't ever see him think, okay, this is not ever going to change. He's, he's like, I, we can make this change, you know, or if it's at home, he's like, it'll be fine. You know, whatever's the ceiling is cracking. It'll be fine. I'll fix it. You know, like everything's kind (laughs) of like, it'll work out, you know, Mm -hmm. and because probably because I'm a warrior and he's a, he's a solver. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm also a solver, but you know, he, he, tends to be able to do my opposite and and calm my worries about things i mean that's just how i process things so his answer to that is the the balance of that you know
3: so would you all agree that they're pretty much optimists at home almost all the time
1: you are honey (laughs) <laughs>
4: okay, thank you. All right, yeah, so Jen, do you
3: think that's because at home they have more control than they do at work over the environment and what the problems may be?
4: I think mm. that um, I think it goes deeper than that, and that I think that what they face at work, because so often they don't know the end result. They go to someone who's had a heart attack. They work on him. A patient's taken away. They don't know the outcome or someone's severely injured and they do their job and the patient's taken away they don't they don't know what happens to that person. they have to just go back to the station and face the next call. So part of them kind of has to close off each time and a door shuts and so I don't know if it's a, almost a false optimism at times. That's what I think I've questioned in 27 years of this being married to a firefighter that, is some of it a false optimism because I've
2: seen coping mechanism, coping. coping as mm-hmm. a
0: coping yes mm-hmm. so where he's just n- not allowing you to see how worried he is like it's, yes. it's all going to be okay don't you don't need to worry because I'm gonna right I'm gonna solve it you know? which yeah which is
5: how they have to I mean can to, you imagine if you you know if you're a firefighter if you're in trouble and they oh my god what are we gonna do? you know yeah. they're Freaking out, you know, right. they've right. got to be calm. They've got to keep it under control. They you know, they have to do that. Right. Yes.
3: Yeah, could you imagine what it's like when we show up on a scene a car accident? And you're oh, like, Oh, this really sucks. Oh my God. this isn't <laughs> gonna go well. Mets <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: up manner would pretty much be out the window. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. Uh so you bring up a good point and you brought it up earlier. Have you seen any calls that have changed your spouse or events? Throughout their career, that have changed who they are on a basic level. Now let uh, I'll let Shannon start.
5: I mean, I can only think of one call that that seemed to make an impact on on Shane. He doesn't. He never really specifically talks about calls. It's like pulling teeth to get information from him. He just mm-hmm. doesn't talk about it. He just doesn't. I don't know where he does it with it. What he where he puts it. Where he shoves it. But he doesn't really talk about it. But he told, he did mention he did tell me about one call where this young girl was driving she's like 16 and her dad was in the front seat and the little brother was in the back seat and i'm not i think the the two passengers in the front seat were dead and the little boy was in the back seat and he was asking for his dad and he's like well, you know where's my dad where's my dad and he said that was the first time that he had ever thought about adam in the middle of a call you know the first time that adam had ever come to his mind at work in the middle of a call you know like and it, it really got to him that this little boy was asking for his father who was dead not three inches from him but he just couldn't see that because of the way that the car was and that sort of thing so that's the only time i ever remember him coming home and really seeming affected by a call um and i'm sure that there have been other times but that's it well, it doesn't
3: have to be a call but i mean you guys have been through such a large part of their lives And so you've seen change. Mm -hmm. And so have there been events, not just calls, leadership moments, discipline moments, all that that has had a major impact and, and what you've watched that transition.
5: The biggest change I saw in Shane was when he went from being at a station to being a chief. That change was like a 180 and it was hard. It was really hard, like 18 months of, oh, shit what are we going to do now? Cause he, it was very hard on him because so the
3: one eighty is from what frat boy to serious, super serious or, or what, what is it?
5: I don't even really know how to describe it because he would say to you that when he was at a captain at this house that he was at, he, he calls that the sweet spot in his career like that. It didn't get better than when he was at. And when he said that I was really kind of set me back. I was like, wow. It, so it didn't, it, it didn't get better and it's not going to be better than this point in your career. so, that kind of made the rest of it seem like it was really horrible, but it was really rough on him to go from not. And maybe cause it, cause you guys are such when you are at a station together, you're so close knit and you you have such a com- camaraderie.
3: Not all the time. We don't always like each other that
5: much. <laughs> you know, but, um, true. But for, for the most part you do, unless you're hatched, but then you, you know, for most part, you guys do have pretty strong, bonds together and when he went when he went from that's from captain to battalion chief it was it was rough and then going from assistant chief to deputy chief where he is right now was like really rough you know so that was probably that was the biggest change I saw in him professionally and personally but it's also been good there's been some good changes too because he's grown a lot he's he's really grown a lot and you know, getting his MBA and finishing that process, he really grew a lot and and learned a lot more about how to embrace his the leadership side and how to be more of a leader. I saw that develop in him. It was it was pretty cool, you know. But it was hard. It was hard on him.
3: Right. All right, So, Robin, what about me? Just ignore <laughs> that I'm sitting here. Just act like I'm Bill. I'll say something snarky in a minute, and it'll be it'll be easy.
1: Your snarky gets me off track, though. But okay. <clears throat> um, I was just gonna say, I'm gonna comment on what you said about Shane first, because um, you said that, and I heard this too, as we moved into officer and mode, um, he would say that it, it, he didn't say it wasn't going to get better, he would say, this is going to get harder, and I'm not going to enjoy this as much, Yeah, but But he did learn a lot just like shane and and i feel like i feel like he he and probably shane has learned so much of as they moved up even though it's getting harder and less fun yeah everybody else is getting a lot out of it too right because of who they are so i don't know i don't know how that helps and uh, there's so many things that i can tell about different things i have watched with mike as far as what we were talking about a second ago with events happening um, Mike didn't talk a lot about... They don't know who Mike is. Hatch, Hatch. <laughs> doesn't talk a, a lot about specific things on... Yeah, he unless, he's, unless they're talking about something funny that happened that they had to hold back because it was on a tough scene or something like that. But um, he's talked about a couple as we were early on, I guess, that. and I told him you have to just hold some of that back um, because I, I don't want to hear those things. But I knew what got to him. From that but the one event, I guess was kind of him shifting um, into from lieutenant to captain and I just saw a lot of growth and um, him start thinking um, instead of I don't know how to put this without making you sound like a real jerk, but it's okay <laughs> he, he, he was a smart ass, he was a pop he popped off, he came back with... You know, I'm smarter than you. It just, uh, he was a punk, I guess some guys would look at it that Frat way. Frat boy. Yeah, and, but as he moved from lieutenant to captain, and as a captain, he became, started becoming a leader, and some of his friends were on, and he was leading them and trying to decide between, should I lead or should I be their friends and do these crazy things with, you know, I mean, he, he was gonna miss the fun stuff, but he finally decided to step over that threshold of, I have to lead these guys and I have to make sure that we're all you know it's kind of military we're going in there together we have to come out i have to together. teach these guys so i saw a lot of change there and of course as he moved up um he just wanted to be a better and better
0: leader right so. That's
3: how about you paula how about for bill
0: well i was going to say that like when bill was coming up through the ranks from just, you know, the rookie through the captain, you know, he it felt so natural to him, you know, like the leading the station and being with the firefighters and, and growing through that thing. The biggest shift for him was moving over to the chief of training, which was moving from being at the fire station to being administrative at headquarters. Like, and all of a sudden he's worried about whether people are bringing food into a conference room. And I'm like, you used to care about whether people were dying in a building and now you're worrying about food in a conference room. Like it just was weird. You know, that's stuff I worry about. That's my thing. So it eventually kind of grew out of like just worrying about the people weren't doing, following the same leadership, not leadership, but following the same things that in headquarters that they would at a fire station, you know, But it it became, eventually it became bigger than that. And he's, you know, grown into a more of a, um, where's the department going? Where is, you know, where is the biggest impact that I can make other than just random, you know, whether people are bringing food into a conference room.
3: (laughs) Such a taskmaster. I know. How about you, Jen?
4: I think that um, Scott's sweet spot was, as Shannon was saying, was lieutenant because he was still leading, but he was part of the team, and he was one of the guys, and there wasn't as much formality to that position, even though he was still leading. So Scott is one of those people that when there's a promotion he's eligible for it wouldn't really occur to him not to go for it. It just wouldn't occur to him. He would just step up to that challenge and take it on and succeed. That's the type of guy he is. Um, Maybe for his own personal competitiveness, but also because he felt ready. There were times where he delayed it, taking the test, because he didn't feel ready. So he he did just kind of have that... Uh, negotiation within his own mind but I always supported him I always knew he would be ready but in now he's at headquarters and he's dealing with politicians who are voted into office and budgets and that encompasses a whole another world that's not him at all and he just wants everyone to be safe and be efficient Mm -hmm. be training always and be ready for everything, and unfortunately that's not how his time is spent. Eighty <laughs> percent of his time is not spent how he wishes it would be spent i so I think he thought being at headquarters would be different than it is, so I think um, he's frustrated, and I understand because um, you know he doesn't share the intricacies of it, but He'll talk about his day, and it, just, it seems it's never ending, never caught up, just always dealing with yes, what he had to do yesterday continues into the next day, and then new problems come in the door. So I think he's frustrated, and I think he misses being one of the guys. And I think outside of work, that affects him as well. Social events where there's firefighters who are not at headquarters, see him as a different person you know he's he which i experienced in my own career so you know when you're the boss you can't really hang out with the guys anymore it's just different so i think that that has changed him but he was he he wanted to take it on he thought he could help and do a good job so but it definitely had an impact on him
3: okay nicole how about (laughs) the all
2: right so for me it's a little different um everyone seems pretty on the same page here (laughs) um but pavel and i have been together since i was 14 years old (laughs) he was 16 i mean we were kids so have i seen change in growth and seen this career change him absolutely every step of the way um and certain calls that have stuck out yes there have been certain calls that have changed who he is Um, but i think that every step has made him better I think every step has made him stronger, um, smarter. Um, He has more ambition than anybody I know. (laughs) Um, He is always striving to be the absolute best at whatever he's doing. And he takes his job extremely serious. Um, And I don't find... I find that he misses parts of his career, like everyone's saying, where there was this sweet spot. But I feel that he doesn't ever... Yearn to go back somewhere Um, he is very comfortable where he is even though it's hard even though it's strong it's never a downfall for him he relishes in the growth of firefighting and climbing that ladder he loves it he loves the process he loves um taking it one rank at a time he he honestly doesn't like it if ranks are skipped. (laughs) Like he Mm. likes it to be the way it's supposed to be. He thinks that there's a reason that you should experience each spot. Um, and it's very important to him. Um, there's plenty of times where he maybe could go from one straight through to another or very quickly from one spot to another. And a lot of times he'll tell me, I want to sit in this spot for a while. I want to be here. I want to feel this. Um, and, and there are times where he has, man, sometimes I just miss sitting out in the bay. There's certain nights when we're driving, he's like, this is a bay night. This is a night we would be out in the bay, just hanging out, talking, waiting for the next call to come in. And he misses those moments. But never as he said, that was the best part and I want to go back there. He just enjoyed that moment, but he loves what he does. He loves where he is. Um... And I would say that there's been, I think the biggest impact on our family that it's had is when he goes on calls that involve children, obviously, Um, the way that he has raised our kids um, and the protective part of him has quadrupled. So it's like, no, we were never allowed to have a trampoline at our house. We are never allowed to you know our kids didn't get to do those things. so there's little things like that that he, w- he is constantly into this day, and the kids have many jokes about how he protects um and the way he's constantly on guard to make sure everybody's okay um and that's definitely heightened with his career. but I can't say that I can't say that there's a spot of him that got worse i don't know (laughs) or is that is complaining of i don't think i don't think that's it i think he's definitely got more stressors but he loves where he is
3: okay so it it seems like uh, universally everybody was talking about that as we moved up it was less fun more stress things of that nature Mm -hmm. and and we've talked earlier about that all of you can see the stresses in us Mm -hmm. so did any of us ever have a conversation, sit down with you guys saying, hey, we want to move up. We want to take this test. Was it a more of our decision or was it a mutual decision that was made of the couple's?
2: Oh, I would say it was his decision.
5: His decision. His decision. Oh, yeah. I can't believe you asked that question.
2: Yeah, no, I
0: mean, Bill contemplated it out loud, kind of a, you know, should I apply to this position? You know, and we talked about well, what would that mean? Does it mean going you know different hours or how does that affect our family and I mean every decision that he went for it was a good thing so
2: I would agree with that there's a moment of hey this position's coming available I'm going to apply for it this is what it could mean for us do you have any opposing opinions on it but it wasn't like do you think yeah. I should do this? <laughs> right. Yeah. I yeah. was never, do you, yeah, or, no. what do you think? Yeah,
5: and with Shane, when he when he went from assistant chief to deputy chief, and he went to days, you know, Monday through Friday, uh-huh. weekends, holidays off, that sort of thing was never off, but you know what I mean? It, uh-huh. it wasn't, um, are you going to be okay with this? Was kind of, hope you're gonna, But it wasn't even like, are you going to be, I was like, hope you're
1: going to be okay with that, you know? Yeah, um, I think it goes back to what Jen said. It was already in his mind to move to the next level mm-hmm. whenever that came up. And that's exactly the way. Yeah. And I wasn't going to be was. like, oh, I well, knew. I wasn't going hold go. it back. He would even say at times, I'm not sure I, I should do that. Or I'm not sure. I, I was like, oh, yeah, you'll do it. Uh, well, there was yeah.
0: there was some, and I can't even remember now what it was, but there was some mm-hmm. level at some point where. He was working days and was going to be home at night, but to move up, he'd have to go back to the twenty-four to forty-eight. And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You're, so you're not going to be home for helping with homework. You're not going to be home to on holidays. You're not going to be home, you know. But it was a it was a step forward. So he decided to go for it. Of course, I now I can't remember what it was. should <laughs> so all view that as I'm selfish such a good on wife. Our part?
5: No, no. no. no
1: we, I, I think as, think as that wives, we just know that's the way it's going to be. It's just because yeah. of well, your nature, you yeah. we're not expecting you not to go up. Well, I mean. and I wouldn't
0: expect that he would say, no, I shouldn't apply to bigger positions or higher positions. I mean, we want each other to excel in whatever we're doing.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's um, with being a firefighter and being married to a firefighter, there is... A sacrifice for the family, uh-huh. regardless of what level, really. Because when he was on shift duty and he'd be 24 on, 48 off, and that could be Christmas or birthdays or ho- whatever holidays, they were gone um, unless they paid double and somehow swapped um, to get Christmas off to be home for their little kids. But now that he's at headquarters, now he has two cell phones and. Uh-huh he comes home (laughs) late and he'll have dinner and then he has to go do emails and take phone calls in the middle of the night. So he's always on call now. So it actually brings me back to when he was a volunteer firefighter, which started it all where he's on call all the time. So, you know, really it's, it's a sacrifice for the family regardless. Agreed.
3: Okay. Earlier you guys were talking about the sweets, our sweet spot, you know, what, what, you saw our or whatever. So for you, what was our sweet spot position? What was the most mm-hmm. enjoyable position for you guys that we held?
2: Oh, wow. Hmm. Oh, wow. I stumped him. I know. Awesome. I like where t- he is I don't, right now. <laughs> I, don't,
5: I, don't, <laughs> I mean, it's like I said earlier, You know, I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, a new baby. So at one point, it was, my life was just chasing chickens and keeping tiny humans alive until, you know, he could, he would get home the next day. So it his position, his rank didn't really, when he was on 24-hour shifts, it didn't really affect, you know, he's on 24-hour shift. It didn't matter if he was a rookie, a firefighter, or a captain, an assistant chief. It's a 24-hour shift. So that... I but he
3: didn't act differently with those positions, the responsibilities, anything differently? He like didn't that?
5: really, it didn't really start. I mean, yeah, when he went from battalion chief, that was the biggest change where he acted different. But... um I mean, when he was and when he, when he was at the station that he loved the most, you know, we would visit there a lot. If it was a holiday, my mother-in-law would pack up her car and she'd spend the day there cooking. You know, so it was more of a family thing. So maybe that was a sweet spot, I guess. That was the a good time. My kids remember that station. You know, if you ask them, they remember that station. They remember going to that
0: station. They remember playing on the truck. So maybe that would be the sweet spot.
3: And Paula, you said the position he's in now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've... I think right now he's in a good place where he enjoys what he does. He feels like he's making an impact, you know. But but um, for
3: you, what is the sweet spot position?
0: Of going back to, like, if I span his whole mm-hmm. career, like, when was the best part? Yeah, Again, I think now, plan. like, he comes home at night. he's He's present. He's with us. He doesn't totally stress. He feels like he's making a difference. Also, our kids are a little bit older. So I'm not stressing. So he's, he always reacts to me and my stressors. And I've, we've kind of gotten over that where I've, I'm trying to keep tiny humans alive. And, you know, like I'm just.
5: And, it's and, you know, Shane's kind of this, this position he's in now going on days kind of coincided around the same time that our youngest kid finished high school. So it's like all of our kids are out of school and all of a sudden he's home every night. So, but. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it just is what it is. I don't really look at either, any of it being as good, bad, ugly, indifferent, the best time, the worst time. The it's just I'm just glad for the time. Jen?
4: I think for me, for us, um, I look back at the happiest times as when Scott was in his early days through lieutenant and captain where he was at the station and he was always at the, by request, he was always at the busiest stations. He always asked to be at the certain stations that ran the most because it made him happiest. He was fine with lack of sleep, and he just loved being busy and having challenges, and, and it really just, you, his face would just be lit up by that. So when I look at him now at 50, um I look I think his his happiest times were when he was at the station with the guys and girls.
0: I would agree with that. I mean that and just it was a good
4: good time yeah. being on the run and always on the run and we would visit him there and he was very happy. He was very very happy. But I think as he grew older, he realized that he had a responsibility to pass that on to others who were trying to become that themselves and so he wanted to be the one to lead and teach so there is a there is a cost to that which he accepted but i think his happiest years were those years
2: nicole um i have to say for me the best part of his career was um when he was in station because we were able to be a lot more involved um and now we're not it's like I, I don't we don't go hang out at headquarters <laughs> you know right. um, Yeah, we maybe you should you yeah, we know we're we not we'll supposed to do that right.
5: <laughs> <laughs> i just saw Shane's office for yeah. the first time mm-hmm. the other day right. I've, never yeah. yeah. I've never
2: seen it never seen it's Scott. just it's different it's um there's kind of like a separation i guess i don't know The only thing I can, like, equate it to is, like, I feel like when kids are in elementary, you're with them all the time, and the teacher always wants you there, and then when you get to middle school, they're like, not so much, and then high school, you can forget it. So I feel like as he's moved up the ranks, it's it's a little farther apart, you know, from uh, the guys that he worked with when we were there. We know them. We knew their families. We knew the wives. We knew the other kids. Um, Now, I couldn't tell you too much about anybody that's up there. It's just different. So I think for me the best part of his career was when we were able to do those things together. But watching him, I am most happy for him now because I know that he feels fulfilled in his career.
3: Robin, how about me?
1: How um, was this? Is this is hard for me because I, I don't have a sweet spot. I. And I appreciate him wanting to become a leader and wanting, like you said with Scott, he he wanted to become a leader as he went up in steps, and I appreciate that. But as far as a sweet spot, I guess when he was lieutenant to captain, just beginning to learn to be more diplomatic, which helped other places, not just in the workplace, um, to talk to people and find their motivation and learn how to get to people instead of just tell them this is how it, he just started learning that then. And I I appreciated that. So if there's a sweet spot at all, I do love the um, 24 on and 48 off. I just like that schedule. Even when Ramsey was little um, and I was at home with her myself, I just enjoyed that because when he came home, it was so enjoyable to have that time um, with, and he took a lot of time too when she was small. So, I, I don't know that I have a sweet spot. There's a lot of good things out of all these um mm-hmm. some tough times, some
0: struggles, but right. good and good and bad times yeah. all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I'm the one only one of the actually five of us that's still on a twenty four forty eight. Everybody right. else has transitioned into a forty eight. And they seem including, to like it, including including that's what
1: Scott. I was saying. The girls seem to like that.
3: Well, and that was going to bring Mm. me to something else that I didn't Uh, think about earlier.
2: I don't know if I like it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, You guys all talked about how it's our extended family, which makes it your extended family. And so when your husbands have moved into that 40-hour, you get broken from that extent. And I didn't think about it until Nicole started bringing that up. I was like, you know what? You guys have kind of been cut out of that extended family. Mm-hmm. We still get to see them because we work with them and your, your husbands do. Right. They, they still go to the office. They still interact with them. But people that you began to care about, you don't really get to see in that same way. And mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that. that. That's a pretty interesting perspective mm-hmm. yeah, from know. the wives who take these uh, or have husbands that take leadership roles in 40-hour positions that you get accustomed to knowing the things about the guys in the station and their families and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you guys get kind of cut out of that a little bit.
5: And like, I was used to, uh, we had a routine, you know, me mm-hmm. and the kids had a routine and now, you know, one of the things that was so different for me is I felt like I had to rush home every day after work and start making dinner all of a sudden every night, you know, because on the nights that he went home, I didn't ever feel like I had to do that. We would eat it's pancakes. Great. Yeah. We would eat pancakes or whatever and everybody'd be fine. <laughs> Cereal She's, for dinner hug. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and so sometimes I'm kind of like with Nicole, sometimes I, if he went back on shift, I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. It, I mean, not that it, – it, I almost feel like I saw him more when yeah. he was on shift than I do now. Right. I know that I do. Yeah. And I don't want it to
1: change for my sweet spot, if you call it, because uh, I, I like the quiet time, mm-hmm. and I like the time when he's home, and I want him there, but
5: – I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still happy to see his face come through that front door yeah. every time it comes through the front door. I too. Whether, whether it's too, at but... the end of every day or the end of a 24-hour shift, It, does, but I – I felt, I just felt like we had more time together alone and more longer time, more, more time together. Even though we're together every weekend and we have that consistent every weekend, we can actually plan things and have what some people call life. But it just seems like when he was on, actually on 24 hour shifts, we just had more time together. Was that
0: because the, weren't you on a nurse at the at the hospital at that point? So, you guys both had different hours? I mean, if you're working nine to five and then he's home every.
5: When he was on, I mean, i because I've been a nurse practitioner for 10 years, so I've been on nine to five for 10 years. And when I did work in the hospital, if he was on duty, I was not at, at the hospital. So, with, because with three kids, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. And very rarely uh-huh. could I get someone to take all three kids so that, you know, and it would happen if it was a holiday and he was a holiday and we both had to work, then, but usually if he was on duty, I was at home, and I was essentially as pretty much a stay-at-home mom for the most part. You know, I worked one or two, maybe two days a week, until
0: I got out of graduate school. Yeah, it just always threw me. Like, I knew going into it. I mean, he didn't propose until he actually was a firefighter, but at some point, I was like, "Wait a minute, you're really going to be gone point three 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 percent of mm-hmm. the time?" Like, I didn't, I didn't get that. You know, like yeah. you're not here. A third of the time, like a, mm-hmm. you know, and and even the next day, he was early on. You know, he was tired through that first part, and I was used to having, you know, I'm used to the corporate world. My parents worked in the corporate world. Everybody was home at night and on the weekends, and so just him being gone, you know, I was driving down the street the other day and noticed a church that had bell choirs on Saturday during Christmas, and I was like, oh, I've missed that. For the last 20 years, because he usually works on that Saturday, you know, that they play. So, you know, there are just so many things that I missed of a family thing because he was working. You know, when you work every third Saturday, you're, you, you miss a lot, you know.
4: I think that at the same time that Scott was able to leave it at work as soon as his 24 hours was over. Mm. He left work and it was behind and it was mm-hmm. someone else's job. And someone else's responsibility. And now it's not. And now it's not. Now it's 24-7, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh His responsibility. But at the same time, you know, it was was hard being um, the wife of a firefighter with non-firefighter families because we would be invited to things with couples. And I would say, well, Scott's on duty. And they'd say, well, come anyway. And I would think... It's well, if your husband was yeah. traveling for work, you would say, I can't make it. Right. My husband's traveling. Aww. But they would have that expectation of me, which is another podcast <laughs> topic. <laughs> But they would have that expectation that I should come anyway
0: without yeah. him. And, and then you don't know whether should I should I continue and just pretend like he's <laughs> here and not yeah. here? And then I'm by myself. And, yeah, you're it's the, a you're hard... The, you're so. the
5: only person there without a person. Yeah. yeah. I'm yes. the only one there without a person. Yes, no. I hated that.
4: Right.
0: And then, you know, your family becomes resentful that we're family, you know, we're organizing everything around our husbands, you know. And so... Right that's not fair either to anybody uh-huh. else. So yeah. eventually you're like, just schedule it for this day and we'll show up, you know, we can. I'll show up without <laughs> can, him yep. or he'll be there. or He won't be there, you know, right. which isn't fun either. So no. You know. So
4: I, th- I think I've accepted that regardless it's, you know, when he became a first responder, it impacted me and it impacted our children and our families. And that was okay because it was what he wanted to do and he loves it. And, that's what you want you want your spouse or whoever you love to be filled in what they do so it's a sacrifice and I think that's what's you can't be independently
5: wealthy no I do like what you're
4: doing absolutely
2: I have a question is everybody first generation firefighter families so no one's had other like none of no fathers or mothers or anybody else were firefighters
5: Shane's uncle's a fireman
0: yeah, but Bill's like great immediate. grandfather was a fireman, but not oh, wow. anything that I had to deal with. Yeah, yeah,
4: no. Okay, yeah. Scott's and that's why starting. I see
5: things.
2: Sometimes I can see things differently. I think, and I think that's probably why growing up in the household, my dad being a fireman, it just seems normal to me right. and normal to the family. We probably have, oh goodness, one, two, three, five or six firemen in our family. So it's normal. It just, and the whole family knows like, okay, what shift are you guys on? Who's on this shift? That's okay. We're going to do Christmas on this day and we're going to do that. And it just works out that way. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so.
0: mm-hmm. in your family, I'm sorry, I'm pointing. Okay. Shannon's family was uh, in nurses and yeah. hospitals and you worked shifts. Yeah. I mean, my you, mom,
5: Cause my mom's a nurse and she's a nurse practitioner now and. Um, my dad worked for the railroad, so he would sometimes have to be gone on holidays and weekends and stuff like that too. So it's no, no big deal to me either. Mm-hmm. And our kids, you know, it's, we always tell a story about Adam asking one of his best friends, where does your daddy sleep at night? <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. his daddy slept at work at the fire station and he just thought that everything with slept. other men, right? Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> right. other men. So Adam just thought that was normal. You know, oh, you mean your daddy doesn't sleep? Not everybody's daddy
3: did that. His daddy's a rock star, though. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. Scott grew up with his father, a far stranger, So you don't really think about it. But in the region where he worked in the Adirondack Mountains, people would go missing. So they would do a search. It could be 10 days in the woods at Christmas. Mm. Right. Mm. And there weren't cell phones back then. Yeah. So wow. He yeah. came home when he came home. And that was it. There was no shift work. It was when they found the person or gave up. Wow. Gosh, that's heavy.
3: It is. Mm. All right, so we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to be rounding home, trying to bring this thing to a closure. And uh, we did uh, an episode where we talked about, are we good firefighters? And it kind of really broke into talking about our insecurities. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for me, my insecurity was that I don't think I'm a very good instructor. You know, that I don't think what I, what I put out, people actually learn from or anything like that. So how you know us better than anybody. You know, you spend the most time with us and the most intimate time talking with us. So what do you think of what our insecurities are? I'll, I'll share each one when I get to them.
1: Well, as as I was saying earlier today, um, your insecurity is that you don't feel like you're a good teacher. And that's that's why I said we balance well because we kind of work together on those kind of
5: things. And, um, I mean, it's kind of ironic that he thinks he's not a good teacher and he's married to a teacher. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, we help each other with things like that. But I think you're an excellent teacher because you want to be so badly and you come up with these ideas and you will talk through them until you have it perfect in your mind how you're going to present it. And then you practice. He goes and practices more than I do as a teacher. He'll go practice it to make sure it comes off right. He's, a, he's almost a perfectionist in that area. So I think that makes an excellent teacher just because you're willing to prepare and get mm-hmm. ready for it mm-hmm. instead of just planning it sorry i had to throw that yeah, in. yeah i just caught that mm-hmm. <laughs> but but he's a very good planner but he's also a very good preparer probably a better better preparer than i am as a as a teacher as an elementary teacher so i i think you're great i think you're a great
3: teacher okay nicole uh pabels was that he he felt uh that his experience levels for coming from a small department doesn't always compare up to a a big department. And so he feels like he has to work a little bit harder to get the recognition
2: that he Mm -hmm. needs. Hmm. I can see that he said that (laughs) because I've heard him voice that before. Um, But my response to him always is you don't realize how big of an impact you have on people way beyond your department. And I don't even think he gets it, but we go anywhere to any department in the area. They all know him. They're like, oh, I know Troche. I know Troche. I've been, and I'm like, your passion of teaching and training is reaching so f- much farther than just your department. He truly is, has a much larger department than he feels that he has. Um, so for me, I think, no, I don't think he needs that. I don't think he should be insecure about it. Of course not. I'm proud of him, and I think that he does an amazing job, but his reach is way bigger than he sees.
3: Okay. Uh, Shannon Shane's was that uh, he cared more, or he thought he may care a little bit more about what people think and about how he was doing uh, uh, for the job.
5: Oh, yeah. Well, his, other people's perception of him really matters to him. And he And he, you know, that's part of what – Pushes him to do such a good, you know, to do such a good job uh-huh. is because he doesn't want to let anybody down. He does, you know, he wants to. So yeah, I could, I definitely hear him saying that. I mean, because it's like Bill and I were saying earlier, he thinks there's so many people that be better suited to do the job that he has now. You know, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily think that he's the best person for the job that he has now. He thinks there's other people that could do it better.
0: But he is the best. I mean, he's he's doing a great.
5: I think yeah. he's doing a, good, yeah. a great job, and, and all the feedback and all these things I that I hear on the mm-hmm. periphery, it sounds like he's doing a really great job. It sounds like he's really well-respected by the, the firefighters in his department right. and the people that he works with. And, you know, when I we go out places and, you know, people come up to him and they know him and, mm-hmm. you know, other fire, you know, the the community that I work in, the firemen, when they come into the office, they'll be like, oh, that's Chief Thompson's wife. You know, <laughs> and, they, and they all know you know, they know who he is, and right. so I, you know, but he, you will have a very hard time convincing him of that, and he'll tell you he didn't do anything nobody else could do.
0: You know? It sounds like he has a very calming influence on everything, I mean, from what I understand, yeah. so. Except our son, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that can calm Adam Dodson? Whitney. His wife. Yeah. Yeah, his mm-hmm. wife
5: can calm him down. It's pretty... Amazing.
3: So surprisingly, Shane's was the same thing. I mean, I'm sorry, Bill's was the same thing, that he's worried too much about what other people think of him.
0: I was wondering what he would say was his, because I, I don't see Bill having too many insecurities. but I know, I think he just I said mean, ditto or something yeah. like that. He, he, <laughs> he don't, he don't make, he like, about baseball? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, No, I mean, he actually, he does take to heart what people think about what he says, because he's, or what he, his direction, people seek his direction on a lot of things. What his opinion is, and sometimes it comes across as very, you know, harsh or or reality, but he just, he says what he thinks, and and, um, he doesn't, you know, BS about it, I guess. So it, you know... People think that he's a little scary or whatever. And I I don't think he means to come across that way. You know, like he's just being sincere about what he thinks. You know, he's just going to tell you straight up. He's
1: a realist. Yeah, he's a realist. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: so, um, yeah, I and, and I think most people appreciate that. They're going to ask him a question. They understand that they're going to get a direct answer and not, you know, have him worry about how that's going to come across or how it's going to be received it's just kind of like this is the reality here's yeah here is it
5: i mean and shane will say that if he's feeling if he's trying to figure something out if he's feeling some sort of way about something he will purposefully go and ask bill what his take on this situation is to get that you know and he'll like seek him out and ask him that Mm -hmm.
0: because yeah he gives a good perspective yeah he usually gives a good yeah Good guidance on this.
3: And I know Scott didn't get to share what, what his were, but, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it at, at times, and you don't have to, to say what it is, but are there things that he still looks at, even with the position that he's attained, he still looks for things that he needs to improve on, weak spots?
4: Absolutely. I think that if I could guess what his insecurity would be, that at his level, he's so busy that he doesn't feel he does any one thing well. Because mm. he's putting out fires all day. Yeah. And I think that's where his frustration lies. Because he wants to excel and do great and help people and train and lead. But he's always putting out fires. So I don't think he really feels he makes the impact that I know he does. I know he does.
3: So with us being able to be honest about things that we see as weaknesses or insecurities or things like that, do you think it helps us stay hungry to improve? And should that be something that other people are looking at, you should never probably look at, you, you have it all together. If you have it all together, think you have it all together, you might Not. be a little bit off.
2: Yeah, probably, and, don't. And, probably and, don't. And, you
3: know, these guys that I, I'm working with for the podcast, the Bill, the Shane, the Pabell, the Scott, are some of the most talented people I've ever met. And we are sitting there talking about things that we feel weak about or insecure about or we don't think we're doing well. And you guys get to see it and get know us better than anybody else. So listeners, you know, the thing I kind of really want them to take home from that is you constantly have to, you know, when you're in your strengths and doing your strengths, that is a strength. That's that's not something necessarily to work on. Mm -hmm. Work on those weaknesses. Keep pushing that envelope a little bit. Stay hungry.
2: Agreed. Agreed 100%. And I think one thing that all of you share that we've gotten to know all of you over there is you have a sense of humbleness about you. Thank you. Which is what is fueling this doubt in yourself almost you're like oh no not me no 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 there's got to be somebody that can and you all kind of take this little step back and and probably don't see yourselves as your fellow combustibles are seeing you or as your wives are seeing you you guys all are all the members of your de- respective amazing. departments or your respective departments um you guys are great guys you just have good hearts you have all the the common denominator is the passion that you have to do right and to do good by your position and by your fellow firefighters and that's amazing just having that alone i think is what fuels you so i think along with um always wanting to better yourself and giving that advice to other firemen um, and or their significant others is to support that and to support them growing and to let them challenge themselves and to push them to do better because in that profession, in all profession, in life itself, it's important.
5: You should always be looking to do better. And Shane's not going to take credit for anything. He's not going to take Mm-mm. credit for anything in his department. Neither, Pavel. And mm-hmm. he's going to, and he will tell you, in 10 years, there's going to be some other idiot in my office, and I'm just going to, you know, and, he's, and, and this department's going to keep rolling without me. Mm-hmm. It will keep rolling without me, mm-hmm. you know.
3: Any anybody? We really, I really, we super appreciate you taking some more time, uh, getting inebriated before you come in here, so they talk a little bit more. <laughs> that is <laughs> not great. We guys. are not drunk. You, I know. We don't you, do I'm those things. i not drinking. Just, I told you. You loosened up just a little bit more than earlier, so this is great. You guys did a phenomenal <laughs> job, and I super appreciate <laughs> you being so candid and sharing so much. And the listeners are going to appreciate it very much. So does anybody have any final things that they want to say?
5: I've had a great time. Yay. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Combustible we'll goes to the beach 2.0. 2.0. All
3: right. <laughs> let's let's uh, end this on a round of Wells. Well. Robin?
1: Do you have to say her name? <laughs>
3: okay. Just, just I'm do not it ready natu- to do it. Ju- just do it naturally. I might want re- to
1: say something
2: else.
3: Well, when you're ready. <laughs> well.
2: This is Nicole
4: and Well.
5: <laughs> Shannon Well.
4: Jennifer, well, thanks for having me. Paula, well,
0: that's so weird. I know. I don't know what we're doing.
5: Because <laughs> well, well, when
2: the day. guys
0: are done, they say, "Well, well,
1: oh. yeah, but." That it's an spontaneous. Spontaneous. Yeah, yeah, That was, was not
2: spontaneous. Wow, <laughs> that was the most uncomfortable ending we've
1: ever had on this show. <laughs> you guys,
3: Thank you, ladies. Round of
1: applause Thank to you, you guys for listening. listening. a whole new
3: level. Uh, If you have any questions for us, please uh, email us at info at uh, combustle the podcast or reach out to us on our 20 page or on Facebook. Or Thanks Instagram. Li- or Instagram. Thanks for listening. <laughs>